This week's episode of Meet the Brave is sponsored by Awkward Convos with Beejus, podcast with rapper Beejus from West Oakland, where he sits down with interesting people to navigate through the awkward ebbs and flows of conversation to eventually arrive at these unorthodox therapeutic bliss states of being. I've had the privilege of being a guest on there multiple times and proud and honored to be sponsoring this on my podcast, Meet the Brave with Monty Draper. Let's get into it. I know I should go, I know I should go, but before I do... to week two i first want to send my gratitude out to uh to og pen for being the first guest in the first release and just uh the, the conversation man and got so much incredible feedback so many people were touched by your story pen so if you're listening to this week's man thank you um thank you to everyone who reached out everyone that did subscribe everyone that did comment and everyone that did share man that was major to have that much support right out the gate it was really was really 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 um overwhelming and, and truly inspiring keep to keep going and a lot of the conversation that it did uh sort of spark with really close friends and family and even um people that I were just necessarily acquaintances it really really did kick off a lot of great conversations so I'm super grateful for that and uh excited to be back for week two and and keeping this thing going one of the great notes that I did get um, from a friend out in Amsterdam, shout out to Ryan, um, gave me some really great notes. Everybody gave really great notes, man. There weren't any bad notes, and that's really what the show's about. Again, us learning in real time. So that's why I'm sharing with you all that I had friends and family that, that did listen and did offer some notes on how we can make this a better experience and a more efficient one. And one thing that was sort of uh, consistent was there wasn't a lot of introduction and explanation and description as to who Penn was prior to. And that I could see that, you know, I think, I think for me, because I knew when I was such a fan that I thought I'd given enough and, and perhaps that's not true. So I didn't want to make that mistake uh, with this episode, because this is another special one and someone else I'm truly a fan of and don't know that, don't know that well at all, actually just happen to be a fan of hers. This episode's guest of Meet the Brave, is Miss Anissa Strings, bassist, composer, singer, band leader. I got to see her perform at Starline in Oakland on a random night. The crew and I we were just, you know, just you know, bar hopping essentially, um, and and stumbled into Starline, and there was this band just jamming on that main floor there, and and people that are familiar with Starline understand that when you go there. Um, usually the band playing or whomever is just sort of uh, playing on that stage right in the main bar there. Usually it's, usually they're just kind of just background music. But for some reason this night, the entire crowd stopped and just watched what this band was doing because it was so phenomenal. And I remember making my way and then just kind of stopping dead in my tracks because here was this little woman with this big-ass upright going ham, you know, and... uh and that was like burned in my brain. But for some reason, I just assumed that this was an out of town band because of how much attention they were gathering. And um, 
it's like, well, damn, I'll never get to see her again. <laughs> and then um, I've been fortunate enough to play with a phenomenal drummer by the name of Ruthie Price, who also plays with Denisa. And Ruthie, I believe Ruthie tagged or posted something or was promoting a show that they were getting ready to do, and it was with Denisa. And I was like, oh, shit, yes. You know, I was able to sort of follow her and, again, on some cold contact DM shit, which is already weird, the male-female dynamic. And, and then or janky ass promoters or it's a lot of it's a lot of shit to filter through when you're receiving a DM of somebody um, sort of inquiring about your time. And I, I really, really appreciate her going through the process of just, you know, like, all right, man, tell me, about, tell me about yourself. I'm not just about to pull up because you asked me to, you know, that was we actually laughed about that uh, off off air the podcast. But uh, her story's incredible. Um, I don't want to give away too much because we go into detail about it. Uh, but that is that is my experience with meeting with, with meeting Anissa and becoming a fan and following her. Um, yeah, so the band consists of Anissa, uh, Anissa Strings, Ruthie Price, and Courtney Knott. And I had the chance to go see them out in San Francisco and was just blown away. You know, I, usually at those shows, I find myself watching the crowd. And how the crowd is reacting to to the women, and this was this was fascinating too because the dynamics of and of San Francisco and the Bay Area as a whole is that a lot of these shows um, you end up, especially when you're in a city, you end up having a, a predominantly white crowd. And here is a, a an all woman band of black women singing um, and celebrating Black music for Black History Month, and it was probably the most moving shit I'd ever seen because they burned it down. This place was packed. The The women sounded phenomenal together. Um, Ruthie on the drums, Anissa uh, on play, Lisa playing, Anissa playing the bass and singing, Ruthie singing backup vocals and, and lead on some songs too. And then, and then Courtney was incredible on keys and singing backup that night. So it was like a really, really dope experience. And um, yeah, man, I'm, honored and privileged to share this sit down and this conversation with all of you um and please yeah to find out more about anisa at anisastrings.com and i'll have that in the description for you so feel free and uh, i encourage you all to go check out more of her stuff and follow her on instagram and follow her airbnb series too anisa's blues next blues and jazz series date for airbnb is april 1st that's a sunday Sunday, April 1st. So get your tickets. Visit uh, the link in her bio on Instagram and it'll take you directly there. You can purchase tickets and the spots fill up really, really fast, man. So I suggest all of you get there today and go out there and rock with them. And it'll it'll blow your mind. The most incredible shit you'll see. Uh, so that's with Anissa Strings. And, and here's my conversation with you. <laughs> Okay, we have Anissa Strings in the building, but that's not her actual name, so I'll let her introduce herself. You want to know my real name? If that's, it's up to you. My <laughs> Gov- name government is, or no? My it. name is. <laughs> my name is Anissa Almasauer. Hey, mm-hmm. what is it? Uh, what do you know the origin? Yes, it's Arabic. Arabic. Mm-hmm. So, are you? Where are you? Where's your family originally from? From America. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Oakland native. Yep. 
I have my notes, and I'm going to try to not, like... It's okay. Do your <laughs> thing, man. We relaxing. Yeah, I'm from Oakland by way of Tennessee. Hey. Yeah. So how, how did that how did that work? Born in... I'm are you born in East Oakland. Born yes. in the East. Born and yeah. raised. Okay. And my mom's from San Francisco. Bet. And then they met... Yep. Here? They met in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. That's dope. And then they moved here. So do you do you know any of the backstory on how they actually met? Yeah, I do, actually. Um... <laughs> <laughs> This is funny, yeah. Um, yeah, my mom was 17, my dad was 22. Mm. He was a carpenter, okay. and my mom, my mom had just left her previous living situation like okay. that day and was looking for an apartment. Wow. She walked into the apartment building where he was fixing up, you know, the door, hanging the door. Wow. They met him, and they became friends and been together 43 years. And I'm, the, I, yeah, I'm the youngest of seven. The youngest of seven. What? Okay, how many? How many boys? How many girls? Five girls, two boys. How? What's that dynamic like? Do y'all gang up? Is that? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm raising a house full of women, so that energy is just like, feminine energy in general is already strong. But when is when you're outnumbered, you feel it. So why? How do your brother? How are your brothers now? In hindsight, you think? Um. You know, I think they were spoiled. You know, like I was definitely <laughs> raised in like a man leads the household got it, got type it, of it. household. Um, so even though there was the women outnumbered, mm-hmm. you know, the male presence was strong. Was strong. Got it you, was got felt, you, got and you. my brothers weren't cast aside in any way or yeah. dominated. Um, I mean, there might have been attempts, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> but it never came through. So yeah, today they're they're. They're strong, solid men. That's awesome. So we go. So your your parents are from Tennessee. You're you born and raised in the East, and what what sort of shaped your inspirations for music? Do you remember the first things that that spoke to you? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, like you know, my parents are way older than me because I'm mm. the youngest. Okay. So my parents are like forty years older than me. Yeah. And they're already old souls, both of them. So they old for <laughs> their age, oh, okay. you know. And their 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 parents are old. Got it. Got you it. know what I'm saying? So. Um, you know, record collections, extensive record collections yeah. of, um, through my childhood. Yeah. Listening to blues musicians, jazz musicians. You know, my parents was like hip, like yeah. they know all the they hip were on stuff. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, and um, and then also, you know, I came about like with all my siblings yeah. and Napster and all that stuff. So my brother was just downloading everything, everything he could find, yeah. and my sisters had, you know, so I had like blues, old school soul, Curtis Mayfield, you know, Bobby Blue Bland, Isaac Hayes, and then I had my Sisters listen to Neo Soul and yeah. Lauryn Hill and all of that, and then my brothers listen to '80s, you know, Too Short and Cameo, <laughs> and then you know my my younger brother who like loved like Nas and hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, music. As long as I can remember, it's just yeah, that's like what we do: clean up to music, part, you know, music all the time. <laughs> you know. And then what? And and are there are there other musicians in the family that sort of sparked that interest to to? to be a composer and, a, and to seek and take your journey as far as you have. What was that? What was that introduction for you? Um, well, my two sisters used to sing um, and they would sing. Choir like, or? Well, they would do like more like African group Got it. singing. Got it. They would study with this lady named Miss Brooks, who's mm-hmm. like an Oakland um, treasure. <laughs> and she, they would do like, um, she, they would do like mayor's events and fundraisers. Like my sister, when she was nine, like she had the most beautiful voice. Wow. And, um, you know, she didn't want to be a singer. She didn't want to make a career out of it. Yeah. They just were more passionate yeah. about it. But seeing them do it, you know, I would go over there, and I, but they would ask me to sing, and I'd be like, no. <laughs> but secretly, I was doing it. Yeah. And I would write songs. Like, I wrote my first song when I was, like, five years old, like, just wow. freestyling with the family. Yeah. And then, um, like, getting into music, like, 
you know, like playing bass. Because I started playing bass, like, with classical training and all that before and, I ever started singing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was singing was, like, my private thing. Nobody really knew, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, I remember I was in elementary school. And my mom was like, you know, you get in a lot of trouble. You need to do something with that <laughs> energy you got. When I went to middle school, I went to Westlake Middle School. Okay. And she was like, you need to get a music. I was like, okay, whatever. I play violin. But I wanted to be, I wanted to be a singer, but yeah. I didn't want to play the upright bass. That was never the plan. <laughs> so I get to the to beginning strings class, and they were like, oh hey, who wants to play the violin? The whole class was a hand. And like, well, we don't have enough for everybody. So does anybody want to play this big bass over here? And I was like, man, whatever, man. I'll do it. Yeah. I don't want to be here anyway. <laughs> I can't get what I want. And so, like, as soon as I picked it up, like, the teacher was just like, wow, you have like a natural thing for it. Like, I just. I just felt comfortable with it from so day what, one. So what is that sort of, I don't know, like poetry and motion, what, how does that work where you, you, you completely aimlessly walk into this place, someone hands you something, and you know this is going to be the rest of your life? Like, <laughs> I didn't know right there, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is that type of a story, like literally. Like, and then everybody who saw me, like every teacher who saw me was like, wow, like she just, because you know, it's a giant, awkward it, instrument, yeah. and it's very hard to like get your own feel for it, but yeah. I just, you naturally I just, I just, I just, I mean, I don't know if that would have been that way with any other instrument, mm -hmm. but with that one, it's my first and only instrument. So what is that? I don't know, because for me, so to go back, where I first saw you, I just ha so happened to stumble into Starlight. I was lit, too. Like, we had we had gone from place to place. I think it had been my first night out in a minute, too. Mm -hmm. And we stumble into Starlight, and you're downstairs and playing with, like, this five-piece. And... Um, and everyone's like interchanging and just moving, mm -hmm. but you holding down the bass, like you not moving. I'm just like, what the fuck? And I'm looking at everybody in here, like, cause the place is rocking and usually when people play downstairs, everybody just kind of ignores them. But y'all literally had everyone in that place's attention and I would never seen that before. Mm. And I was like, what is this? And no one could tell me who you were. Mm. I was like, fuck. And I, and I left there hella disappointed cause I was like, I'm never gonna find out who that is. I'm mm. never going to find out. And Luckily, I've played with uh, Ruthie Price plenty mm. of times, mm. and she post tagged some tagged you in something, and I was like, "But thank you, thank <laughs> you," because now I know. And so that's what I was responding to was like, "Who is this, and why do they look like that? The that instrument is an extension of them." Um, mm. Usually, I've seen a few people. Uh, Thomas Bridgen looks like that. Ruthie looks like that. Mm -hmm. um, this young kid, Clark Simmons, Clark Sim, excuse me, mm -hmm. looks Bass like player. that. Mm -hmm. um, Flo, DJ Flo, he looks like that as well. There's, but everybody else kind of looks like they're thinking, mm -hmm. whereas y'all are just breathing, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was like, whoa. And so I now hearing the story, it makes me want to know even more. Like, what the hell? Like, you just you <laughs> didn't want to. You just your mom's like, yo, you got to go do something. And you're like, yo, I'm, and the teacher's like, yeah, and you're like, all right. And now we're here. What did now hindsight? What is that? Do you think about that at all now? I like, mean, yeah. I mean, like purpose. I guess is what I'm. Trust me, to. like trust me, like I mean, you know. Okay, so from then on, okay, I play the bass. All right, now I have to take one of these things home. Yeah. Okay, my mom got like a she had a New Yorker Chrysler. Okay, we had to lay the front seat down, have it laying across, or we had to lay it out the back seat. So, you know, transporting it, you know. Yeah. But you know, and and I didn't, you know, all I heard was like, you know, a little rinky dink. You know, orchestra pieces, little mm -hmm. dun dun dun. Yeah. Took, no, took a trick, little star. Basically, uh, I had no reference of what the bass could actually do. Yeah. Till my parents came home and played me Charles Mingus. Oh, okay, gosh. and then they played me Haitian Fight song the intro. 
Anyway, but um, anyway, no, but anyway, and so I was like, what? That's what this instrument could do? And I was like, and I just started practicing like every day, yeah. like every day. And then I got into the Young Musicians Program over at UC Berkeley, which mm-hmm. is like what um, Lettucey went through there, yeah. Ambrose, yeah. like, you know, the Pender Hughes, they all went through there. Yeah. It's like a really prestigious um, Bay Area yeah. music program. Got classical training. From there, I got into Oakland Youth Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Got classical training. I was in Oaktown Jazz, SF Jazz. Like, I just started, and I was playing professionally at 13. I recorded my first album at 13. Like, everybody else was, like, 16, you know, been playing for a couple of years. And, um, and here you are at 13. Just- yeah, like, I barely had no calluses on my fingers. <laughs> I'm just getting blisters every time. I'm like, can we take a break? And they're like, no, but, you know. And that's what, and that was one of the things I have here because you, and you mentioned, you alluded to it already because you said Curtis and you said, uh, and you said Isaac Hayes and, and that's kind of what you feel. I mean, you're, you're definitely a musician, you're singing, you do all of those things, but you sort of have the approach of a composer, of a composer. And would you say that's more your inspiration or is that leaning more towards all the study? Cause you're, you have your masters for mm-hmm. crying out loud. So is that, what, what is that? Is that inspiration or is that just all of the schooling and all of the training that you did? Or is it a combination of the two? Um, I think it's just, you know, when I was, my, my, my sisters will tell you, like, I was so annoying as a kid because I was always tapping or mm. just singing or just making some type of noise. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, you know, I, I, I've kept a, uh, a diary since I was seven years mm. old. And so I've always written. I've always loved to write. Yeah. Um, and then when I, when I got my first keyboard, when I signed up for YMP, they give you a keyboard because mm-hmm. you got like, to have piano proficiency. And uh, so I wrote my first song. I mean, I mean, I wrote my first song at five, but I really wrote my first song, like Absolutely. lyrics, yeah, the chords, yeah. everything yeah. at 13. And so um, definitely going to school and getting a master's and all that has informed that. Now I know mm-hmm. how to arrange. I understand voicings for big bands and yeah. orchestras. Like, I understand all of that now. But, um, yeah, writing songs, I've, I've always just loved music and songs and like exactly I mean Curtis Mayfield and those arrangements you know mm-hmm. the lyrics the content of what he was saying plus you know but it's like you know recently I heard demos of Curtis Mayfield's first solo album it's on YouTube <laughs> have you heard yes. it? Yes. And it's just like you know a quartet it's like yeah. bass drums guitar keys and him singing mm-hmm. and you know then he would submit this to the label and they would make all these arrangements yeah. I'm sure he heard things in his head. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know but it's just like understanding that process of like you know it's just it's just most of it is just a dope groove you know what i'm saying just a funky bass line you know and obviously there's changes bridge and stuff but it's just like with some strings on top and with this you know what i'm saying like you look give me a love and it's like but the arrangement is what what just brings it all out Absolutely. like that's the stuff that really you know i've always Stood out to me. That's sick. Uh, tell me about. So you took your first album at thirteen. Is a shift in. No, no that's, that's not. That's, that's this older. Was, okay. Yeah, What's, it's like a. It's okay, called the was, Vanguard. When you said that, I was like, uh, I didn't see that nowhere. Uh, no, no, no. So no, what no, was no. the what's the, thir- the the album at thirteen? What's it that? was called um, Future Gold. Okay. It was an album that the Young Musicians Program put together of their 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 favorite uh, young people. Uh-huh. And it was like we made a little album, but um, it was just like for me at that time, like that was like really important. But yes, it's, I don't know if it's like for sale anywhere. I have. Does it exist? Does it live in? I was gonna ask. Does it live anywhere? You think? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Like, cause I believe at the time, like you know, iTunes on that stuff wasn't happening, so it was just um, CD. Just CDs. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's so dang. And then how do we get? What was high school like? What high school did you? I went to Skyline. You went to Skyline. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And what was that like? Well, I went to actually. I went to a private school for two months, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. <laughs> it wasn't for you. I couldn't hang. I couldn't hang. So I was like, Mama, I don't care. I'll go to the public school, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, was that was the private school of music? Sit- no, it was Maybach. You ever heard of that in Berkeley? No, no, no. Why I haven't heard of that? No. Yeah, yeah. it's small. Okay. Um. But yeah, I went. I went to Skyline. Um, you know, I definitely cared about you know being popular. Like even when I was in middle school at Westlake, like jazz band was zero period. Yeah. So it was seven thirty in the morning. So no one saw you and all that. Not even that. I would. I would like you know. I would skip. <laughs> I always skip jazz band <laughs> because it was just like you know like, I mean, I guess I guess I've recently been humbled. To an extent, but mm. yeah, I mean, just then it was just like you know, like I was always you know, like especially like in a public school, like yeah. what's like Skyline, you know, them cats, you know, they didn't, you know, compared to them, I was like, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, I would come, you know, every now and then, you know what I'm saying? And then I would come in there and run the whole show. I'm like, no, you do this, you do that, you do this. Yeah. I was a terrible person. Like I have to say the truth because if yeah. anybody from Skyline heard this, they'd be like. She you know, <laughs> exactly. I got to tell the truth. So I would skip all the time. I cared about being popular. You know, I cared about, you know, I, it was so. So what you're saying about playing upright bass? Yeah. Your earlier question. It, I wasn't proud of it. You know. I I, I and and I guess I was hoping or I, I I imagined we would get there because, especially the way we grew up and not really understanding what is an extension of us or what we created when you think about techno and electronic music and funk and then rock and then especially jazz by the time we got old enough shit wasn't fly let's just be honest it wasn't so but and then not having any idea of how far these things could take us in terms of just like yo i can play classical upright bass classical style can take you places we don't even know exist you know but we don't know that at that time and so the what what peer pressure does and how we succumb to it and that's really what i was hoping to explore with you because it's what it's what's like immediately my mind went there it was like fuck high school must have been hell for you know what i'm saying because i think about um i don't know if you're familiar with uh aka frank but he played trumpet and and I know, and I, because we, te- I was one of the people that was teasing him about being in a band. But now looking back on it, I wish I hadn't quit band. That's one thing for sure. But you, again, hindsight's cr- it's crazy it's how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was hoping to explore with you. I mean, when it, when it, the, when it, when did you write the ship? I guess when it, was it high school? Was it post high school? Write the ship? What you mean? When, it, when, it, when did you? When did you? When did you, when did your perspective change on what oh, this like was doing? Oh, like three for, years ago. Oh wow, it was re- very this recent. recently. Oh wow. No, because um, you know, high school. You know, I went to Skyline. Mm. You know, and yeah, I mean, I didn't want nobody to know I was in band. Yeah. You know, I wasn't you know toting my bass around school. I put that thing in the practice room, <laughs> and I go home and play. But I but I was making money though. Yeah, yeah. I was making money because. Like I said, 13, I was gigging. Like, people would call me, you know, $100 to play at this club, you know, 75 to play this restaurant. And, like, now I would, I, but, you know, then that was money. That's yeah. a pair of shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was I was, I was, was about it on the weekends. Yeah. And I had, like, a double life because, like, I had, like, I knew the OSA kids. Mm-hmm. I would play with them, you know, and they're, like, artsy all day. It's cool to be artsy there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm here at the public school, so there I'm, like, uh, you know, I would rap. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the yeah. public schools. You know, they knew I did music. They knew I sang. They knew I did. They knew I rapped. Um, but yeah, like even when was it going through college, I like going through USC. Like I was like, I hate jazz. Yeah. This is terrible. Like, cause especially you know, you know, it, at the USC program, you know, none of the faculty look like me. No, no, you know, yeah. And it's like you gonna tell me how to swing when this is this I is from what, slavery. Absolutely. This is my ancestors. Yeah, you know, so I'm just like, if this is what jazz is, I hate it. Hmm. And so. Um, my senior year of college, um, I, I, I um, ran into a mentor that I had met at YMP, actually, mm-hmm. Rodney Whitaker, bass player. He's the chair of the music department over, of the jazz department over at Michigan State. Okay. And um, he ran into my middle school teacher at a conference in New York, and they was like, how's, he, how's Anissa doing? He's like, she's doing great. She just finished in the USC. He's like, well, tell her she can come here and get her master's for free if she wants to. Damn. And so... Um, you know, I was like, I mean, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of because I was, I was working on my album. I was yeah. going to the Paradigm. Yeah. I built this whole momentum up in L.A. I'm working with all these cats mm. in L.A. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got a good rep out there. Yeah. And I didn't really want to just uproot myself and move to Michigan. My parents was like, hell no, get you, your ass you out gotta go. Yeah, yeah, you got to go. And so, um, <laughs> so when I got there, I was depressed. Really, really depressed. Because mm. um, I just was like, what's the point? You know, I'm going through all this school. I'm getting older. Yeah. It's 19 year old chicks and doodly doo. You know what I'm saying? They popping off. I'm looking at that Instagram. That time is starting to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. like, I'm 22 now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, uh, you know, people's careers is popping off, and they ain't never even went to school. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm like, I, I just released my first album after been playing for 10 years. Yeah. People start rapping for two months and make an album. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, why am I even committed like this? I just came out with the album. Ain't nobody listening to it. You know, mm-hmm. my my friends and family. I'm like, you know, and then here I am in nowhere, Michigan, in the snow, you know, practicing six, eight hours a day, more practice. Yeah. And when I got there, I felt like I didn't even know anything about the bass. Yeah. I felt like I was starting over because, like, I get in Rodney Whitaker. This is like the doctor exactly. of bass. This is the master. He you breaking know? you down. Breaking me down. Wow. Man. And so uh, after about a year, I was still kind of depressed, but I was more angry. Mm-hmm. And then um, that second year, get my master's. Um, and just seeing, you know, these, you know, black men, you know, in suits every day. Every day. You know what I'm saying? So even in the snow, I'm talking about the little rubber things that go over their shoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to protect their Italian shoes. I mean, they just clean every, every day. day. They and they and they and they swinging. They're not playing all this, you know, modern highfalutin, you know, yeah. stuff that you can't dance to. Yeah. Swinging. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bebop, blues. You know the the origins and making it sound so cool yeah. in 2015, it 16. Was it, was fly. it was fly. Yeah, and I was like, wow, like this is what I've been doing. Like mm. this is what I've been dedicating my life to. I knew it wasn't for no reason. And, and and my old soul. And like I I've always been teased. You know, people always call me a granny. Blah blah blah. <laughs> my voice is deep. You know, I didn't. You know, and so I was like, yeah, there's a reason why. You know. Yeah. I've been able to do. I've been sticking to this, and then he made me the lead singer in a big band, so I got a chance to come out of yeah, that. Finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, somebody was that gave the me a shot. First, this is my second year. He made me the lead singer at a big band at okay. Michigan State. Okay. And um, we was touring all around the state, and you know, doing competitions, uh, and just meeting all kind of. You know, they would bring in you know Christian McBride and Kenny Barron and Jimmy Cobb school. and Lewis Hayes. Yeah, like the OGs, like Damn. the people who played on Kind of Blue, like. You know, so <laughs> that's when I was like, actually, jazz is hell. It's fly, yeah. So, <laughs> then, so then from there, is that when you came, came back to the Bay, or did you go have another stop in between? No, I came I came right back to the Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, they they recommended me to go to New York, but my parents was like, nah, like, you should come home and, like, 
reroute yourself. You know, like you've been in school, you know, you mm. you solid now, but you know, you could be a little more solid before yeah. you like go out to New York and Absolutely. just prostrate yourself before <laughs> the world. But um, I'm so glad I came back though, cause yeah, I'm way more. That's hell. And it, it makes sense, cause there's a, and I always felt like it too, cause I was, I don't know if it was 15. I think it may have been 14. Um, we had literally packed the car and we were leaving for New York. Like the car was packed. We was on our way. And um, a friend of mine who's actually a classically trained uh, pianist goes, bro, you tripping. The scene is here now. Don't leave. And I didn't fight him. I was like, bet. he's like, I got a room. Y'all come here. We'll, we'll do it. And I stayed. And to this day, I'm like, God was working because I needed to stay. And so I think about that now with all the jams, like just rank, like it'll be a Tuesday and I'll fall in and see the most the the dopest jam ever at the most random bar and you're like whoa this really is the scene and everything you read about Harlem Renaissance and all the other places it's happening here and it's tucked you know it's like no not too many people know about it and it's not that's the one thing that isn't gentrified so I am glad you you did stay <laughs> um how do we should where should we start um where should we go next I should say rooted in blues or your Zoo Labs residency. Was it a residency for Zoo Labs for you? Yes. It's coming up, actually. Oh, you haven't done that yet? Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so let me break that down. So Zoo Labs, shout out to Zoo Labs. I love y'all. Everybody over there. They're amazing. Jeff, Brad, COO, everybody. Yeah. Um, But yeah, basically, I had just started coming because like, um, you know, I got back here and I was, I was, I I went to another depression when I got back because I'm like, I got these master's degree. And I have nothing. What was know? it for? Exactly. <laughs> you know, the album is old now, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, anyway, but I had, like, this a whole bunch of songs I had written. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of songs. And so I just started, you know, finishing them, arranging them, adding yeah. horns and strings, whatever. So um, I had heard about them through a friend, Lamar, who works at Airbnb. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, you check them out. They're, like, non-commercial. So I just started coming to their events. And I was like, yo, like, I'm trying to be a part of this, mm-hmm. you know. And... Um, I was like, I, I can't do the residency per se because I teach mindfulness during the daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, if I could just get like one session a month, you know. Um, so they was like, yeah. So they they gave that to me, wow. and I've been able to, you know, knock out ten songs on my album. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and those five sessions, but just the tracks. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the 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 instruments. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, so now they're they're they've offered me um, a residency. Um, we're still working out the details of it, you know, but it's it's gonna happen this yeah. this summer. That's beautiful. And um, you know, and as most of the music is done, so I can just go in and add vocals, yeah. layer over percussion, you know what I'm saying? Oh, just so yeah. details and you know, so yeah, that's gonna be incredible. I'm so excited about that. And what um can you are you you probably don't wanna release like titles and all that stuff yet, do you? Or what do who's you mean, featured titles? for the next for the new record? Oh, a title. <laughs> yeah, no. Definitely not the title yet. Um but um yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we got, you know, Thomas Pridgen's on there, so Ruthie, yeah. Courtney Price. I mean, Courtney, not um, Sean Jones. Mm-hmm. He's a jazz musician, jazz trumpeter. You should look him up. Okay. Um, I got LJ Holloman, Howard Wiley, Geechee. So, like, pretty much the Bay Area scene. I try yeah. to keep it as Bay Area as that's possible. A, that's dope. That's dope. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not done with the features, J.D. There you go. You know, just I got a couple more vocalists and stuff I yeah. want to bring in. There you go. Um, but that's just the musicians. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was like, 
going back and forth. I do have a single that'll be coming out before the album. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, probably a couple, but one that I'm really excited about because I'm rapping. It's a rap song. Hey. You know what I'm saying, and it's no, it's just, it's just a beat. Like I made the beat on Logic. Yeah. And it's not like you know, all fancy schmancy with all no, my arrangements. Produ- it's production. It's production. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm really excited about that too because. You know, I want to. I want to. You know, I don't want to be irrelevant. Like, I don't want like only forty-year-olds to be interested. You in want it. You want it to be current. You want it yeah. to be new. And your introduction. I think, in your role for me is important because how I learned how fly jazz was was through this white boy that was my age, and he was like, "Right, you tripping? Like, you don't know what you're missing." And literally set me down. And um, and I'm trying to remember what the what that record was that he played me. Um, but it was one, and you probably noticed this. Uh, he's a trumpeter, and he died when he was 23. I got it. Oh, Clifford Brown? No, not Cliff. Um, Lee, not Lee Morgan died at 30. Mm-mm. I can't. I died at 23. I'll think of it. But he he recorded that album right before he passed away, and it literally like because for years jazz would it would get close where I would sort of understand it, but then something would fall short. But this record connected all of it because it was like the the swing that swing that the the loop because I understand everything in loops because of hip hop but this one in particular I could hear it like it just stood out and so it sent me back to everything else and I was like oh shit why is there no one to sort of connect make it current and connect the dots and so you I think are really gonna put you Kamazi Glasper uh, Glasper I, I, that, that it's a whole it's a whole new wave that just make it fly, make it current, make it relevant, mm-hmm. where you're like, this is the dopest shit ever. Because one, people, you like, there ain't shit in hip-hop you can dance to no more. Um, there's there's really nothing in general you can dance to other than the modern jazz. Like, as soon as you hear those records, you can actually, like, groove. And if you're into that, where there's people in a room and you want to dance with somebody, like, jazz is the only thing you can do it to modern day. Um, and so I really, that, and that was one of the things I wanted to sit down with you about and really have that conversation is that that's such a dope feat and such a in 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 a lot of ways an honor for you to have to have gone through all that to land right here to be that person that's going to be like yo i was a part of bringing that bringing it into modern day you know i don't do you think about it like that or i mean does, does your will your ego not allow you to yeah you know, you know like i don't you know like most of the time i'm like um no one's gonna give a shit to what I'm doing. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm like, you know, who cares about your arrangements and your, you know, your your chord changes and your, and not even just that because like I don't even write my songs from like a technical standpoint. Mm. Like I'm not like, oh, this gonna get him with the sharp nine. You know what I'm saying? Ain't gonna no one to do. You know, like I'm not thinking like that. It's more so like you know, a melody will come to me or yeah. you know, some changes will come to me. And um, you know, to me, it's like. Not even more so dancing. Like, yeah, like my music, you can definitely dance to it. Yeah. But, um, especially more so on this album. I'm so excited about this album. <laughs> but it's like, to me, I care more about what's feeding your mind. Absolutely. Like, because, you know, I hear so much music out here today. And, you know, I, and I really, I really don't want to be a hater. Like, I really don't want to be wanna, a hater. You don't want to be, but you're forced to. But I just, I just like, you know, it's just, it's just like people aren't thinking. You know, they're not thinking. They're 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 barely feeling. Yeah. You know, because they're sedating themselves with all these drugs all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I just want 
some truth, honesty, and not just truth and honesty, like, oh, I'm a terrible person and I do what I want type yeah. of honesty, but like, some, some exploration some, yeah. and, and some some upholding of some principles mm. like are, is there any righteousness is there any principles is there any code to the game at all <laughs> oh, or no. is just everything tolerable fair game yeah. you know what I'm saying and so to me that's what um, even this rap song coming out like you know it's like exactly it's going from oh thinking everything is all good you can do what you want to do mm-hmm. to like actually no you know what I'm saying? Like, there are consequences you can, exactly. On the other there's side, consequences yeah. for your actions, and I'm just like, I just think it's unrealistic for, uh-huh. you know, 20 something year old artists to be playing and making this music that, you know, whether you like it or not, teenagers and young kids are listening to. You got there's a responsibility. And, and I'm just yeah. like, you know, I just I'm tired of people. Oh, I, I'm not a I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model. I'm yeah, so tired of people that. shying away that. from that. Yeah. Because it's just like. Well, why are you in a public eye for? Yeah. Like, do you just want to be a disgrace? Like, do you just want to have public meltdowns like on purpose? Like, is that your goal to show people that it's okay to be a loser? Like, yeah. You know, and but the thing is, this world encourages it. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like success is based on your willingness to fail, not, not to fail, but to to be unrighteous, to mm-hmm. forego your principles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the the de- determiner of your success. Yeah. And I and I was we were talking about that the other day too, and I couldn't agree more. But I do think it's the um, it's that the the average person, if you will, or the person not seeking any of that can relate more to that person that is publicly killing themselves, you know, just yeah. like isn't pushing themselves to be great. Whereas all the all the heroes before, whether they had demons or not, we didn't see them. Like, I, I think about it now. Like, what if what if Marvin had Instagram? Like, we, we may feel different, but we, we didn't. You know, we get the music to sort of live with and we have everyone else's story. But we but knew he was in the tabloids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we knew. No, no, we knew no, exactly, about his addictions, exactly, yeah. about his, uh, his uh, philanthropy or whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Philandering, that's the word. <laughs> uh, we knew about it. You yeah. know, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, every single day, but, you know, um, still. Yeah. In his music, he tried to uplift, tried. is what I'm saying. He didn't shy like, away from that responsibility. Yes. In, the, in his And what would live forever is what I was getting to. The thing that will outlive you in your presence now, are you accepting that responsibility that comes with having something that will live forever? You know? You and know? and it, it means a lot to hear an artist like you. Because you, your, your future, like, I imagine some days are harder than others, but you do know your future is bright as hell, right? You you are aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even that's not gas and that's not ego. Like you, re- that's something you can hold on to no matter how crazy the day gets, work, whatever it is, whatever it is. You have to know that, and somebody there has to be at least a handful of people telling you that on a regular basis, so that you keep going because you're and in, you've invested in the real estate of creativity, and by that I mean. You can fuck around and pull a Quincy and make the thing that takes care of your family forever. You can create that at 40 because you know how to do it and you've invested into the know-how. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like you spoke of it, those rappers that, man, SoundCloud, get on, get get GarageBand and go make a record. There's no real estate in that because there's the, the you know, your 10,000 hours or whatever beyond that. You haven't given anything to it, and lit- and and I I personally am a fond believer not just creativity but anything you invest that much time in, you you don't get that front end money. It's all back in. Like literally everything that you've invested in is all back in, and it's not the like pennies we talking about. Like that's where <laughs> that's where the wealth switch happens. You know, because 
that shit that's where it's at like a soundtrack at some point you know that's like that's my dream <laughs> I mean not but you know how to do you know how to do it yeah you know I don't want to make no drug dealing pimping movies no <laughs> it would have to be like yeah I mean that's what I'm saying to me like it's to uplift the culture and it's just like you know not only you know musically what I've invested in like you know spiritually what I've invested in yeah, as a person and it's like you know um you know I try to live as clean a life as possible yeah. you know what I'm saying and you know I'm not I don't shy away from that like I'm not and I'm not you know it's not like a I'm up here right just down yeah. you know and it's like and people could try to like people might receive me that way sometimes like oh it seems like you're trying to be trying to be holier than that yeah but yeah yeah, but it's like no I'm actually just just trying to be exactly I'm just trying to be great (laughs) I'm not saying that exactly and I'm not saying that you're wrong for doing what you're doing because of course I've explored and done and tried all kinds of things exactly you know but it's just like at this point in my life I'm cool I want to try this now you know what I'm saying I want to try righteousness now you know and um you know, and but it's like exactly, you know, people take offense to that. Just like people take offense to somebody living a slum life. Like somebody like me, mm-hmm. I take offense to somebody promoting <laughs> their slum life, Absolutely. you know. And so that's like a slum life person would take offense to somebody living a righteous yeah. life. Like, you know, yeah. those are natural enemies of each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you're offended by that, that just lets me know the type of life you're trying to live. Absolutely. And what type of morals mm-hmm. you're trying to live by. And you know? that that you're not you don't you don't find yourself being impacted by people that have negative shit to say about you trying to set a better example. Well, of course I'm impacted, but I don't negatively impact me. Gotcha. I smile at it like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Like, I must be doing something right. You know what Man, what, um, before we go, I wanted to ask, what is, um, what is Rooted in Blues? And can you talk about that? Is that? Yes. It's, um, it's a new, um, Airbnb experience mm-hmm. that I've developed, um, with the folks over at Airbnb, shout out to Lamar Gary. Hey. And um, yeah, so basically it's just like, I'm gonna be doing a monthly show mm-hmm. um, at the Zen Center in San Francisco, wow. um, SF Zen Center and um, in the Hayes Valley. Mm-hmm. And basically it's just gonna be like, you know, everything, all American music, you know, like I called my first album, Shift in Paradise, mm-hmm. Paradise. I called it BAM, Black American Music, mm-hmm. because Blues, funk, rock, hip hop, soul, pop, everything <laughs> made in America is black American music. And so I just, I don't like the idea of having to stay in one. That's why I make hip hop, soul, R&B, jazz. I study jazz because that's what you can study in school and it gives you the best foundation of I'm music. Sorry. You understand harmony, chordal progressions, notation, everything from the best perspective. So Rooted in Blues is a project that basically says that it can go anywhere but it's rooted in the blues, Exactly. basically. Yeah. So it's going to be a series that I'm going to be doing a concert series every first Sunday um, at the SF Zen Center. Um, first one is March 4th. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to be bringing Ruthie out, you know what I'm saying, Brian Simmons, different Peace musicians, Sims. you know what I'm saying, to come out and, and, and play, you know, my original music as well as Curtis Mayfield yeah. and Gladys Knight and, you know, Anita Baker and Alicia Keys. and. Go. You know what I'm and saying? Inspiration in it all and connecting the dots for people. Yeah, exactly. And too short. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, bring it all together. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, I'm I like seriously. I am a fan, and I'm so elated that I got to sit down with you. This is um, something I've wanted to do in terms of just not even thinking of it on a on a journalism level or a podcast level. I just 
really, really wanted to make sure I wasn't one of those people that was complaining about certain people not getting their due, and I wasn't doing anything to, at, at the very least, play a play some sort of role, whether it be major, minor, whatever. I just wanted to be active. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many people, barbershop, the house, we sit, studio, we sit around, oh, man, this ain't happening, and, and no one's doing anything. And so I wanted to do something. and But it can be unnerving reaching out to people that you don't know like hey i'm a fan come sit down you know it's just weird but and i i understand that but i had to remove ego and just reach out to people because that's that is another place we get caught up in too is we're more likely to praise people when they're dead or when they're gone or when they're when we don't have any access to them as opposed to using our 140 characters to be like yo this is dope you know and we need to know it and so this is what this podcast is meet the brave is meeting sitting down with people like you sharing your story in the hopes that someone around the world is in a dark place or a place where they don't necessarily know if they should continue to go forth with their passion and they'll go damn anisa did it like i should do it it's the same thing i told fiza uh, a couple days ago same thing i told uh pat um who who owns casey's barbecue and he's getting ready to relaunch but i'm sitting down with my favorites you know and it and it's gonna be curated that way and so it it won't be this big elaborate thing and so i do thank you for coming to sit down with us today hey man uh you're very welcome and i just want to say one last thing um since you said about you know we talk about people when they're dead and dooku chancellor hmm. just died you know who that is i don't he plays drums on billy jean wow yeah he was he was one of my mentors i've known him since i was 12 years old hmm. And, and, you know, I saw him last year. I saw him last summer. It was the last time I saw him at mm. Stanford Jazz Workshop. We was teaching there together. You know, I knew something was wrong, you know. You and we was cool, but I didn't, you know, give him that extra hug and everything, you mm. know. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's important to stress that. I've been Today I've been calling, the past three days I've been calling all my mentors, all my teachers, like, yo, I love you. Thank you for everything you've given me. Thank you for everything you've done. So what you're doing right now is absolutely on track with, the way I think life should be lived, you know, yeah, the way we should live our lives. And I thank you for, for doing this. This is important work. Thank y'all. Let's meet the brave. And that was this week's episode of Meet the Brave with Miss Anisha Strings. Don't forget to check out AnishaStrings.com and follow her Airbnb music series, Blues and Jazz with Anisha Strings and Friends. Next show is April 1st, Sunday, April 1st with Anisha Strings. Again, thank you everyone for tuning in and we made it to another week and we look to keep pushing forward. This is Meet the Brave with Monty Draper. This week's episode of Meet the Brave was recorded and produced by Chris Santos at the Av Studios. Remember, you can stay in touch and keep up with all things Brave Area at MontyDraper.com slash podcast. Follow us on Instagram, FR33MANI. That's FR33MANI.